G'day, I'm Osha Ginsberg. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. I'm recording this from my home, which is on Gadigal land, a part of the Eora Nation, and I'm paying my respects to the elders past, present, and emerging of the dirt that our home is built on. If you've never listened to this podcast before, um, we're an independent production, and um, there's a small team that make this show with me. Andy and Rachel make this show with me. And to help make this show, we I need to pay their wages. So every now and again, you might hear an ad. Look, if you hear an ad, thank you. You're helping me keep the lights on. If you don't, you're going to hear Mitch Tambo say something awesome. Here we go. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're a young person, you know that you're a black fella, but you carry the weight of the past, which is disenfranchisement it's um fragmented bits and pieces and then as a young person you're subjected to to all this racism you know that's why to me it's so important that we get in there and we impart as much as we can into our young people to to just give as much identity of who they are and what they're connected to as possible so when all that negative comes, they've got something to draw from inside. Well, no, I'm not that. This is who I am. If I ever feel alone or lost, all I need to do is look up into them stars and like that emu in the Milky Way, that is me. You know, I'll never alone. I'm connected to the stars. That is singer, songwriter and activist Mitch Tambo. And this is episode 400 of Better Than Yesterday. G'day, I'm Osha Ginsberg. Welcome to Better Than Yesterday. Thank you so very much for being here. This is episode 400 of the show with Mitch Tambo. You can find out more about Mitch on Instagram. He's at Mitch, M-I-T-C-H, Tambo, T-A-M-B-O, all one word. If you've never listened to this show, I'm a TV host, I'm a podcaster, I'm an author, I'm a dad and a stepdad and a gluten, vegan gluten-free pancake eater. You know what else my wife got me for Father's Day? Well, what we got for Father's Day as a family, we got a broken coffee machine. Our coffee pump gave up the ghost. The pump in our coffee machine gave up the ghost. Small problems, 
in a world that's falling to bits. But you know what? We were okay. We had the AeroPress. Come on, man. We got it on backup. This podcast comes out twice a week. It's a, a bi-weekly show. Uh, Mondays, I'm here with a guest. Fridays, I'm here with you. And I'm just here to try to help you make today a little bit better than yesterday. Something you hear on the show will help you go today. At the end of the night, you'll be going to sleep and you go, you know what? Today was a good one. It was better than it was yesterday. That's it. That's what I'm here to do. Every show is guaranteed to do that. There's 400 interviews. There's I don't know how many other episodes on a Friday, but that's what I'm here for. If you need me, send Osher email at gmail.com. So Mitch Tambo is on the show today. Mitch Tambo, who's just gone number one around the world on the iTunes charts. His brand new single is called Heal. It came out yesterday. He's number one. I'm looking at the screen right now. He's number one. Nice one, Mitch. Mitch is a First Nations Indigenous Australian singer-songwriter. He's a Gamilaroi man who first came to prominence on a TV show called Australia's Got Talent uh, in 2019. He's a very, very talented musician and he's an equally talented and equally passionate communicator when it comes to telling the First Nations story here in Australia, which is something, as you know, that I think uh, needs to be talked about more in our community. His appearance on Q&A from May 2021 is, it's really something to behold. It's not hard to find. It's about five minutes long and it's a true plea to the Australian people to heal the gaping wound in our country, to face our shared history and to build a new history together. I was so excited to speak to Mitch and I'm so grateful that he took the time, especially with the amount of promo and things that has, you know, to do with putting a single out that comes, becomes number one around the world. Like there's a lot of extra work that isn't just making the song. Like he's had a lot of interviews to, to get this single up there. And he's also got a new baby on the way. He's a stepdad to three kids already, but he's got a, a, a baby on the way. If, if you like what you hear, get around his music, support the work he's doing. Enjoy this conversation with Mitch Tambo. Hey, Mitch, how are you? Good, good. How are you? Yeah, man, I'm okay. We're recording this in, uh, what is it? Start of August in 2021 and Sydney's all locked down and it's all a bit weird at the moment. So I don't know. How are you? <laughs> Look, man, I'm good for what it's worth. I think main thing at the moment is just really, you know, ensuring our mental health is, you know, priority along with the family and whatnot. But we've got to make sure our own mental health is at the forefront, as I'm sure you can acknowledge. Because I mean, it's just, yeah, it's crazy times we're in, and we're very much in an unknown phase of our current history. And we've just got to do what we can to, you know, remain healthy. And I think. The main priority is our mental, emotional health at the moment, spiritual as well. So, How do you keep that mental health together day to day? Do you have a routine? What do you do? Well, at the moment, it's just really, you know, ensuring that I feel like I'm in my purpose still. I'm doing what, you know, fills up my spirit and makes me feel like I'm being productive. And I'm also doing the, I suppose, spiritual components to me that, make my spirit feel topped up and that can just be as simple as you know going outside sitting around the fire pit getting lost in the fire or you know just doing things like that or even just you know going for a a little workout so just ensuring I think you're doing the little things all add up to the big things I suppose and you know just looking after yourself. Was there a time in your life when you didn't have that practice that didn't you know that kind of routine of maintenance? Yeah that's a good question eh? I I think I grew up like a very sporty kid. So I was always, I suppose, working out or like training towards some sort of goal. So I've always worked out and I grew up in a quite cultural community, you know, 
family. So I feel like it's kind of just always been ingrained. Like the way I see it is I got asked this the other day, like what, what are your daily rituals? And I don't know that I have a daily ritual. I think these practices have kind of just become embedded. And as you get older, if you fall out of touch with a few things, you realize how important they are to, you know, your well-being. So you make them, I guess, priority. Where as a kid, it's just all a part of your upbringing, isn't it? It's just it's just the natural flow of life. So, yeah. There's some kids who it's just it's just their thing to ride their bike to school and they don't realize they're getting that hit of dopamine and serotonin before they start their day, you know, yeah. but I never had that. You know, I, I didn't ride a bike to school, but, you know, they're going to have a different outcome from a kid that, you know, it gets dropped off. You know, the, the, the amount of activity they have during the day is going to be different. The headspace is going to be different. It's interesting, isn't it? It is. It, I think it is. And I think, you know, what it comes back to is connection. I feel like whilst we're the most connected we've ever been on a global scale, in a lot of ways, we are the most disconnected we've ever been, you know, like, you know, exactly right what you're saying. Like there was such a massive portion of us, you know, in my era that just rode to school, spent the afternoons out on the street until, you know, the lights come on. And what we don't realize is that's actually so important for all these other factors of our health just being outside in the fresh air running around barefoot out riding a, a push bike at full speed with all the wind in your face like they're all really um fond memories as kids but they're also when you look back now it's so important for your mental emotional health like you speak to so many people now and, and all they promote is getting outside you know just getting back to basics or i think with the fast progression of where the world's at at the moment it's so easy for us you know, to just sit inside on the phone all day, you know, be on emails, paying bills, talking to family, doing loved ones, having a bit of, you know, free time on it. And next minute you've just spent, you know, 10, 12, 15 hours uh, staring into a little device where before to do all that, you got to be out and about, don't you? You know, yeah. You know, there's times where I think my wife's looking at me like, you've literally picked up the phone and looked at the same thing and put it back down and picked it up again. Like it's got to a point now though where we have tried to give ourselves like a time, like the phones are down by a certain time in the evening. There's no looking back, like too bad, too sad. It's done because you just got to get off it, brother. I have a break. I like <laughs> it. I like that. You uh, used to work in as a social worker. Mm. Were you doing the, the social work in, in Tamworth or had you moved already to a capital city by then? Yeah, I really sort of, I did some stuff out remote, like out Ayers Rock Resort out them ways out near Uluru, and, yeah, predominantly just use the skill set, really, um, whilst being down here and now I'm in Melbourne. So using the skills, you know, working for myself, working with a whole bunch of kids from a whole bunch of different backgrounds, you know, whether it be like in foster care, on the brink of juvenile justice, mm-hmm. you know, just in schools, workplace, just all that. But really being able to use the social work skill set, theories and practice, so that I'd learn and incorporate that with my own cultural identity and what I've been taught culturally to pretty much just deliver programs that are just geared towards empowering people to yes, engage in my culture and learn that, but really be able to be empowered to explore your own self um, and your own sense of identity and your own sense of belonging. Because, uh, you know, there's so many young people out there that are from all walks of life. And I mean that literally like, you know, you go to a school and kids are just from that many different countries. It's crazy. And within that, 
Um, we have to be able to address that there's a loss of identity and we have to be able to address that. We can't just give someone like, this is where you're from now. This is who you are. Enjoy. It is like, yeah, you're, you're we're all here and we've got to get together and, and do the do. Like it's a beautiful thing. But we also have to acknowledge our roots, where we come from, our languages, our culture, because it makes up who we are. It, it's a part of our spirit. It's a part of our DNA. And we have to be able to know elements of that in order to have a, you know, a sound sense of who we are. Cause that's important in terms of navigating the way through life and overcoming things, you know, it really is. And I feel like you mightn't be able to acknowledge that as a kid, but you're able to acknowledge that as an older person in reflection and go, Oh, if only I knew this or that. So that become really important to me. And I just realized like, if you can like make someone feel empowered to embrace who they are or go and learn a bit about who they are, it can really go a long way in the short, but in the long run as well, you know. Your mom was quite influential for you in that, wasn't she, as far as embracing who you are, what part of the country you come from, what country you come from? Yeah, she just, I think that she could just see that it was medicine really, you know, um, and that it just had the power to just stand me up straight and help me make some really solid decisions for my own life and not really get taken off the track. And I mean, you come on and off the track. That's what life's all about. Yeah. But I mean, I think as a young person, you can really define some things early on if you're blessed enough to. And I think she just knew that in, in empowering me to go and embrace my identity and my culture and go and practice that it would really help me out in the long run, you know, and not getting taken off the track too early and it being detrimental to my course of my life, you know. I've heard Joe Williams talk about that. He talks about one of the uh, old men in his community said, you know, mentally sick, you're spiritually sick. And mm. using that connection with culture, with land as medicine, it's fascinating that you mentioned it like that. What was happening in your life that your mum went, ah, I'm going to have to talk to you about this because this is more important than what's going on? Man, I, I think it was just the reality of like just being a young person. Like, you know, I was like into skateboarding. I was into sports, into like a multitude of things, but a part of like being in subculture groups sometimes is that a part of it can be, you know, going and smoking cones in the stormwater drain, you know what I mean? And I feel like because I had like a, a sense of this different understanding of who I am, it just helped me to be able to like potentially be in those settings and just say no and be quite comfortable in the setting. So, yeah, it's not like I was caught up in anything full on. I just feel like I could have ended up that way potentially, you know. Kind of wish your mum was around when I was in that stormwater drain, Mitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean? I've been there. You know what I mean? Yeah, bro. Well, I've sat in the stormwater drain. I just was able to say no, I suppose, you know. Um, and it's not saying that, you know, th this is just what worked for me. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people don't need anything. But for me, I think just having this deeper understanding and and connection, it just sort of just stood me up in a different way where I, maybe I just sort of had this unconscious respect for myself all of a sudden, you know what I yeah. mean? Um, I don't know. Can't completely put my finger on it. I'm guessing this was kind of mid-teenage years. There was a there was a point, that's usually when the stormwater drain situation happens to any of us, whether it be a stormwater or a drain, whether it be behind the bus sheds, whether it be wherever, you know, it used to be a Gatorade bottle. Who knows? It used to be in Brisbane, it was an Orchie bottle. It was a, I was going to say Orchie. Yeah, it was an Orchie <laughs> bottle. Man. The Orchie saxophone. Um, oh, man. But somewhere around there, 
uh, certainly as young, I don't know what it's like to be a young woman. I've only ever been a young man. Somewhere around there, mm. there's a, a, a turning point and you get this explosion of energy within you and mm. you can go in one of a number of directions. Mm. It sounds to me like someone just went, all right, your feet are running real fast. Like with a toddler, your feet are running real fast. You just pick them up away from the road and you turn them back on the footpath and then pew, off they go. It sounds like that's kind of what happened. Yeah, interesting, man. Um, it's not. I feel like it's just that through the turbulence of life um, and through all the hurdles, culture just kept me on track. And it was one of the things, I suppose, you look back and go, culture's just saved my life in every which way. And I think for a lot of onlookers, if you know, to be honest, it looks almost like it's just been this golden path. But it's been life, brother, you know. Um, everyone goes through stuff. Some of us hit rock bottom, some some of us don't, but life just is a roller coaster. And I look back and I'm like, wow, we actually got through that. And then I I also, you know, look at the journey and go, man, how blessed have I been? You know, and I think yeah. that's just life, eh? We all can sort of can take the position and dwell and camp in all the the hurdles, or we can kind of go, Well, we actually overcome that, you know. Like that was actually epic and I actually forgot that happened because life's just so good because I'm just counting my blessings. You know what I mean? I know uh, one or two people from Tamworth quite closely. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> it's a part of the country with some pretty rusted on beliefs, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, <laughs> it's what it is, you know. I mean, yeah, it's definitely you face your obstacles. I mean, yeah, like there was times as a kid where, and by a kid I mean, like more so adolescent. And I, I think that's mm. just because that's just the time we, you know, I just stood up and just embraced everything and just didn't care, you know. And I didn't care. I just mean I was just going to paint up and, and dance and, and rock my identity wherever, however I wanted kind of thing, you know. But what comes with that is positive and negative. You know, man, like, oh, yeah, like especially like, you know, an adolescent going through school, you don't fit the stereotype of, you know, how a black fellow should look. You know, I had kids, man, that just rock up and stand in front of me and just dissect all my features. Like, you know, like you'd be in a classroom and I remember I was in a classroom once. It's funny story because I was talking about it's not a funny story, but I was talking about it recently. And you forget because you just move on. But I remember being in this class, we're watching Rabbit Proof Fence and it was just a sad moment. Stuff the kids got taken and the auntie's hitting herself in the, the head going through sorry business. And one and this kid he stood up in the class and he had this plastic, um, it was like a, you know, from 10 pin bowling, it was a pin. Mm. And he stood up in the middle of the class, man, and just went, look what I've got. It's a, it's a coon basher. And man, I just remember, I just like looked directly at the teacher, like you're about to do something right. And they just go, come on, mate, sit down. And I just was like, oh, wow, this is one of these moments like in your life where you've got to do something or I just sit there and cop it. So I just packed my bags and just got up and left the class. And I just walked around school until school finished and cut home. And I, I remember like I never I never told my mum or anyone about it. And I remember um, in the weeks to come, I'd become quite angry and bitter. And I remember this one day, it was weeks later, man, and I uh, must have gave mum some lip after basketball in the car and she ripped me. I just started bawling my eyes out. And she was like, whoa, what's wrong with you? And I just remember just crying, going, he said he was a coon basher, you know. 
And, um, you know, she'd give me talks, but she, I just remember she gave me this talk and it's basically like, you know, you can't let people's attitude dictate your outcome, you know. Um, you got to let it go and have thick skin and just move on. You can't let people's words like affect you on such a deep level. And it, it did affect me. Eh? It controlled me for a good few weeks. I never, and you don't realize because sometimes you just internalize things and you don't even know why you're angry, you know. So, yeah, I definitely like navigated some stuff in my in my time. And, and I mean, I navigate it till this day. It's just a part of it, eh? But when you're a kid, things hit differently, I think, you know. I'm really, I'm really sorry that happened to you, man. That's really rough for you to have gone through. I mean, but it was a part of it. Like, it yeah. was a part of it, man. Like, you know, I, I would be like on a school excursion and have followers that I thought were mates just absolutely messed with me the whole camp, you know, like singing Akuna Matata, but they'd be like Akuna in the gutter. And I look back now and I'm like, you know, it's uneducated, rah, rah, but I'm like, where's the teachers at? You know? Yeah, right. Where are they, man? They're, they're nowhere to be seen. And that's the kind of thing that frustrates me now because kids are still subjected to it now in the classroom. You know, there's, there's stories I hear frequently about the dismissal of transgenerational trauma, like teachers saying to kids in this day and age, like, what is it that you want? Like, you get free cars and houses. Like, how, can't you just get over it? And it's like, mate, if I could get a free car and house, we wouldn't be conversating right now because I'd be kicking back, looking over the beach, have the car at the front, and I couldn't really ask for much more than that, you know? Yeah. And th- this is the thing that a lot of, it's these kind of things that, if, if you never had these beliefs challenged, if you've just grown up with such and such a member of our community or such and such a segment of our community gets all this help from the government, so therefore why should I do anything? Yeah. It, does, it doesn't come close to addressing what's actually going on. And in fact, it's just reinforcing the same kind of attitudes that we were discussing earlier that have probably existed mm. since the 1800s, but it's what their grandparents did and what their parents did and what their teachers, actually what their, what their teachers didn't do and the mm. training didn't do. And that's the real failure. You know, you've got to, as you've no doubt seen, being a someone who works as a youth social worker, you really got to get in there early, man. Because the thing, people, yeah, people mm. just repeat stuff that they've heard before the age of yeah. five, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, and it's true. And like, for example, sake, like, if you're a young person, you know that you're a black fella, but, you know, you, you carry the weight of the past, which is, you know, disenfranchisement, it's um, fragmented bits and pieces, like all the rest of it, right? So you don't have all the answers. And then as a young person, you're subjected to, to all of this racism. And then on top of it, you've got people that just assume you're a black fellow, so you've got all the answers, but you have none. You know, that's why to me it's so important that we get in there and we impart as much as we can into our young people to, to just give as much identity of who they are and what they're connected to as possible. So when all that negative comes, they've got something to draw from inside. Well, no, I'm not that. This is who I am. You know, I'm not a bludger. I don't, I don't think the government, I don't blah, blah, blah. Like I'm actually, this is who we are. I'm actually connected to absolutely everything. Yeah. I come from a time of creation, like to draw from because you need something to draw from because as you, you I'm sure you know, like the power of word is, is so 
so, so very important. And if you get told you were something long enough, you either start to believe it or you'll react to it and act out and do something potentially detrimental to your life, you know. But if you can draw from something and draw from, well, no, nah, you can say what you want, but I come from a line of, of warriors, mate. I'm not even buying into this. Well, it stands you up different. It gives you it gives you something. It's like a bit of a force field, you know, and I think that's so important. And I feel like everyone needs that. They need that source to draw from. And it's identity. It's connectiveness. And that's my thing is like we go everywhere, right? And it's like I can only impart so much because we're all from different mobs and, and places, but you give what you can, you know. If someone's got nothing, at least give them what you can so they can go away with something like, whoa, I'm connected to the stars. Like if I ever feel alone or lost, all I need to do is look up into them stars and like, I might know the stories up there because I don't know that much, but they're all there. That emu in the Milky Way, that is me. You know, I'm never alone. I just need to take a few breaths right now and just look up into the stars and that's me and I'm okay now, you know? Giving a kid that uh, that suit of armour is mm. is so, so, so important. Yeah. What was it like? for you earlier we do you do you remember the first time that someone smeared ochre on you do you remember that yeah 100 percent. but I, I remember the first time i saw like robbery style dance it just rocked my whole world like i remember the feeling today and that's the things that i draw on before i go on stage or like speak on q a or anything that's like big or sp- speak to a bunch of kids I, I remember that young kid you know I remember where that fire was lit in my spirit and I still have the same hunger today to learn and to understand as I did then, you know. Mm. It's like this thing was switched on on me that wherever I walk in this world, whatever I try to do or achieve, I'll be brought back to that. You know, it's like, go if say if I went to become an accountant, I would find some way to incorporate culture into that because that's just my calling, you know. It's crazy. And it comes from being that young person. I'll never forget, man. Uh, the first time I've seen dads and and I remember like the first time I really got into Yothi Yindi and it just absolutely rocked my whole world, just up all night listening to it, not being able to understand lyric, but what it did to my spirit was just absolutely insane. And I don't mean treaty, the other stuff, like there's a lot of traditional tracks and stuff in their albums and like, it would just rock me to my absolute core. Like I'd be awake, man, and just my whole spirit would just be like buzzing. Like, yeah, like we're, whatever's happening right now, like in my bed, I just want to be ripped out and taken back to creation. Like just take me to that realm because like this feeling is just too immense. Like I can't, this is insane. I just want to go there, you know. That, that's a, a, a amazing thing to be connected to and, Man, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of kind of jealous that I have something as big. <laughs> uh, that's pretty great. It's pretty fantastic. I know. I know exactly. What I, I understand what you're talking about. I don't. I don't know it, but I understand what you're talking about. To suddenly have this thing, whatever that kid in school was saying to you, versus actually no, Mitch. This whole thing. See that tree, that rock, that cockatoo. Boom. <laughs> you know, this is all a part of you, and you're a part of it. Yeah, it's so deep. You know. But when you get older, like, and that's the thing, right? It's like, it's forever. Mm. Because if you allow yourself to, like, you're conscious, 
um, and your spirit has the capacity to just grow for eternity. So it's like you might look up at the stars tonight um, and see that dinner one, that emu, and have a, a perspective and perception of that story. And the end of next month, that perception and perspective can completely flip on its head or just grow to another level because, you know, stories grow and manifest as your understanding does and your conscious, mm. you know. You mentioned intergenerational trauma. Mm. Both my parents at some point, both my parents were refugees. My, my mother fled the Russians in World War Two. actually mm. ended up with the, the Germans. Think about that. Wow. Like the Russians were such bad news. They went, we'll go with the Nazis. <laughs> like that, that's how bad it was. And then wow, like 20 years later, my father fled this, 25 years later, my father fled the same Russians uh, when they invaded Prague. Wow. So both my parents had had their homes taken away from them. And mm. um, I've spoken to psychiatrists about this and how I ended up where mm. I ended up, that intergenerational trauma played a part in that. And like mm. I'm, I'm an immigrant, Mitch. I was not born in this country. I call this country my home. I, I you know, I live on Gadigal land. This is where I live, my, I, this is my home, and I love it. Mm-hmm. And when people take my intergenerational trauma seriously, yet to talk about intergenerational trauma in the Indigenous First Nations community is very hard for people. Like people will go, oh, yes, this Sudanese refugee, that makes sense that this kid who's acting up has intergenerational trauma because of what their father has seen or the mother has been through. Mm. You know, this makes sense. Let's extend some empathy to this kid in school mm. Or, mm. or this kid whose parents came out of Lebanon in the 80s. Let's mm. extend some empathy to this kid or this kid who came from Vietnam in the 70s. Let's extend some empathy to this kid. What is it that it's preventing us as a community from extending the same empathy to our Indigenous First Nations people about intergenerational trauma, do you think? I think there's been a condition. I, I absolutely love that you're able to see and feel that because um, you don't hear that enough. So I firstly appreciate those words immensely. But um, I think, you know, it's just my perspective and my perspective is I feel like it's all a part of the colonial construct to, you know, to teach this kind of behaviour or to condition society in a certain way to almost switch off empathy um, and compassion for our story and plight to continue to obviously, you know, dominate because um, you're right. Like this, I go and talk at so many things and do so many things and there, there really is that feeling and that feeling of, you know, I can empathise and shed a tear for the story of so many um, refugees that have been through so many horrific things. But as soon as it comes to the Aboriginal story, um, it's very much, I didn't do it. I'm not sorry. Get over it. And it, it's always really interested to me. And I, I don't know. It's like there's this capacity in the spirit that's almost through this like conditioning or education being completely shut off. And that's partly why I don't believe in the war of words because I feel like the only way to create capacity is to um, obviously come from a place of love and um, a place of like, you know, I accept you and your story. I want to hear about that. And I, I just expect that you'll just hear my story and together we can just learn and develop and move forward together so we can, you know, explore truth because uh, the only way for us to, you know, gain more allies or get more people to just want to engage with our story and history it's through relationship. It's through conversations like this. It's not through like political debate. It's through relationship. It's through connecting on a human level. It's through like, you know, you've got all these opinions like get over it. I'm not sorry, but now you've met me and now all of a sudden you like me. And it's like, oh, they're not all like that. He's actually all right. 
okay, can you tell me a bit more? And I remember like I've been in this room, like, you know, I do, I do a lot of talks, you know, and, and the only time it gets heated is when I get to the apology and it's just on. It's like it's almost, I don't know what you believe, but it's almost spiritual, man, because I get to it and the minute I say, you know, when the government said sorry, there's someone in the room, it's like you can watch this feeling come up through their toes and then they spurt it out and almost immediately regret it. Well, I'm not sorry. I didn't do it. And it's like they, it was automatic, you know? And I remember it happened this one time and it was in a, a room full and I feel like the dominant vibe in there was that. And I was like, well, that's all right because it's not about you. It's like if you come up to me and said to me, my sister's auntie's brother's father's son died last night, I'd be like, whoa, you're all right. I'm really sorry that happened. Like I hope they're all right. You're all right. Um, because as a human being, it's all about empathy and capacity and reaching out an arm for someone and going, well, I, I've been there and I feel that pain. And although that wasn't your father and it was like someone like 10 degrees of separation away from you, I hope you're doing all right because we've all felt lost before. Um, is there, do you need a cup of tea or something? Like, how can we move forward? How can I make the day better? It's, you know, and there's been like a, a bit of like the de- dehumanization ar- around this, around our story because, you know, man, like, how can you not feel that? How can you not put yourself in that shoes? Like, you know, my wife, um, she's from West Papua. There's mob in her community, you know, that, well, her mob had to leave there too, but there's mob too that like, you know, had to jump on a boat, got lost and wound up on the shores here and it's really full on. And it's like, I've never been lost out in sea, but I hear that story and I'm like, man, that like, God, like I can put my self in that position of the best I can and have the capacity to feel. And that's, you know, that's what it comes back to just being a human being and like not be threatened, but open to just feeling again, you know, and, and being able to feel someone's pain or acknowledge that in the plight to move forward together as a collective and heal, you know? I serve West Papua's. West Papua is a tough neighborhood. Jesus. Mm. <laughs> it's a tough neighborhood. I know exactly what you're talking about. I know the the feeling that you said, you see it coming from their toes, you see it jump out of their mouth. Mm. I wonder, and I, you know, I'd love to get your take on this. I've spoken with Stan Grant on this on this show I, about the like I, I think like people have that reaction and it means nothing and they're not related, Mitch, but it's the only kind of I'll, I'll get to it, I'll walk you there, right? I haven't eaten meat for 24 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I tell people I don't eat meat, it doesn't happen so much anymore, but initially nine times out of 10, they would take it as a personal attack on their choices. Like what you you put in your mouth has fucking nothing to do with me. (laughs) You can do whatever you want. You you put whatever you want in your mouth, man. It's your choice. All right? Nothing to do with me. So (laughs) that reaction that you spoke of, Mm. Do you think it's more to, it's easier for me to be angry than to acknowledge the shame of what I am a part of? I think so, yeah, for sure. Um, and to acknowledge the truth because it all involves work, doesn't it? You know? And what I've realised like, on my journey, because obviously growing up in the bush, there's blackfellas everywhere. Like you can't live in town and not know one blackfella. You know what I mean? Maybe you can, I don't know, but that's just my opinion. When it comes to the whole country, you can live in a city your whole life, man, and not have anything to do with one Aboriginal person. Like, never come across one black fella, never have one lived experience. 
by choice. Or you can live in a city and decide to step out and go and actually learn, go to events and things that could be like 20 minutes from your house, you know. But what I've learned is it's really easy to just turn a blind eye, live a good life, um, and not acknowledge I have to get involved in any capacity to the healing of my people or to the understanding or celebration, you know. Mm. It's not all about sitting in all the pain and trauma. It, it is very much about celebrating and understanding and understanding that you're a part of our amazing, beautiful history and story now. Like, you know, you get to say, I live here in this nation and we've got the oldest living continual culture on the planet that has survived. Like, you can be a part of that celebration too, but it's so easy to not. You know, like I was working with some mob the other week, young fellas too, and they were like, they weren't trying to be racist, but their dialogue and wording was so inappropriate. And I'm like, how can you be so like uneducated, man? These are young fellas. Like, surely through school you've learned not to speak that way. Like, it's so wrong. And I was like, have you ever like, nah, man, never. Like, you're the first Aboriginal person we ever sort of worked with, man. I'm like, you know, it's so easy. So, you know, there's the thing of not wanting to acknowledge and not wanting to be a part of it and all the rest of it. It's all too hard and all that. And there's the other part where it's, you just don't have to. You can live here and lead a good life and not not want to engage in nothing. You can go and like be in your amazing community, not deal with our story, refugee story, like nothing. And yet you can go buy a plane ticket, travel to Africa, go to India, go to wherever, and all the communities are here, man. And like be like, oh no, I'm too scared to go in the Sudanese community. They're no good. But I'll go to Sudan and I'll go work with some charity. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes it's like we've got to get out of the fear and conditioning that's taken place with a lot of like, you know, mediums and just open our hearts up to just stepping out and learning what's in our own backyard, you know? Just taking a moment away from the conversation with Mitch to remind you about the other podcast I'm doing at the moment with James Matheson. It's a show called Idle Australians, I-D-L-E Australians. Um, This week on the show, uh, Jimmy and I caught up. I mean, it's so nice to do a show with James. James and I have known each other since 2000, so he's one of my oldest mates and I think he's one of the smartest, most interesting people I've ever met. And his perspective on what's going on in the world at the moment is something to behold. This week, we just, man, the gamut of things that we talked about, the spectrum, we spoke about everything from Healthy Harold and the Life Education Van to fringe Australian political weirdness happening on telegram channels it was great you can find idle australians i-d-l-e australians in the podcast app you're listening to this right now on on right now i can't do english good you might hear an ad break here if you do thank you uh, you're helping pay the bills if you don't we're right back to mitch One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What do you think is possible for us as a country? Like, if we were to, like, truly acknowledge what happened and truly acknowledge what continues to happen, it's like, okay, this incredible life that we have has come because something incredible got destroyed. And Mm. like not being able to hold that in our hearts and not being able to acknowledge it, do you think it holds us back as a a nation? Yeah. And maybe that's a part of the whole idea. I don't know, you know, because wherever we're divided, it's easy to just do whatever you want. But what happens when we come together and we unify? You know, that's where the power is. The power is in unity togetherness you know and that's what i'm about you know i I, um i can answer all of your questions and give my perspective which can seem maybe a little bit down and out but where my heart lies um is in the healing in the education in coming together you know regardless of race religion gender sexuality and class man that we have to come together and we have to unite i mean far out you know we're losing so many kids to suicide whether it be due to like loss of culture, identity, whether it be due to gender, I don't know where I fit in this world. Like we're losing so many kids, period. So the sooner we can get together and just get back to why we're here, which I think it's, man, we're just here to just love unconditionally and just do the best we can. That's really it. But there's been all of these messages, whether they're subliminal or what, that have been geared towards divide and conquer. You know, so the sooner that we can just get together just be like, hey, brother, how was your day? You know, like, seriously, like, well, I don't know if it's grown up in the bush or what, but you grow up, you walk past someone, say hello, have a yarn, this and that. Man, you be in most places these days. You get near someone, heads go down, look the other way. Like, we've become so disconnected, you know what I mean? Like, that all these lived physical encounters are very, like, far between. Talking about the healing and talking about the possibility of coming together is something that I'm totally agree with you, Mitch. Like it's really like it's the only pathway forward. The more fractured mm. we get, the more disparate we get, the less we have a chance to act against things that threaten all of us. This pandemic is a perfect example, you know, mm. and this is a problem. There's plenty of problems to come because that's what history is. And mm. the, the less united we are, the less chance we have of coming together. When did you first find that you had, because you've got a gift for it, man. It's clear talking oh, to you. you. Do you remember someone telling you, when you speak in front of a crowd, you're good at this? Oh, man, I think from like a kid, like, you know, just doing cultural things, shows and stuff like that, you know. They were just like, wow, you just, you know, that was good kind of thing. But you don't really think anything of it. And then as you develop, like the message develops, you know, you go from, I'm just out here to just dance, you know, to you learn more, so you give more, you know, and then all of a sudden you're talking and then all of a sudden you're talking about history and, you know, like it just grows. Mm. Um, But I think when it got super deep was just when I released music and, um, you know, people just started just really hit me up with just some really deep, deep stuff. Like I don't understand what you're saying, but, I've been battling depression now and on the days when I want to give up, I put on your music and it gives me hope. Like, 
that's when I started to really receive some really like incredible messages or like, you know, I'm in the midst of fighting cancer and gone through chemo and, you know, on my hard days, I, I just pump your music and it gets me through all, you know, my son's severely disabled and when he's having a bad day, I put your music on and it, it just calms him down straight away. Like just a lot of mu- uh, messages like that and from around the world too, which is just blew me away. Like I've had people from different parts of the globe, like, you know, I've had the worst year. I've lost someone really close to me. Like I've really battled and um, I'm getting a tattoo sleeve and I was wondering if I could get your word for love in that tattoo sleeve because, you know, your your song with that word in it has just got me through it. So like for a lot of it, yes, it's got to do with my words and like where I speak and stuff, but a lot of it's got to do with just the music and like people not even being able to understand what I say but just feeling it. And that's been the most moving thing is like, it's almost been a blessing in a way that people don't understand my language because it just made them feel. And that's been the, the most amazing blessing and feedback to receive is just how it's touched people, you know, from all walks, from, you know, from kids like just picking up vacuum cleaners and like playing like did in their lounge room in their nappy to like being at a show and having like an old fella um, with his little grandson line up for near an hour and then gets to meeting, you go get the photo with the grandson and they grab your hand and shake and go, look, mate, you know, I'm 80 years old and I know I've got an Aboriginal background, but in hearing your music and story, it's the first time in my life where I've wanted to acknowledge that and embrace who I am and celebrate that part of my identity. And I just wanted to come here to thank you today. Like, you know, just that wipes me out, man. That's like, just wipes me out. It's like, okay, like I get why I'm doing this. You know what I mean? Because I know it's bigger than me. Like I feel like if it was just about, my ego and playing shows and all the rest of it, like I'd be over it already. But the fact that I really know in my heart that it's, it's not about me. It's what drives me, you know, because I know that it's not me. I know that when I sing, it's not really me coming through that people are feeling it's everything that's come before me. And that's what, that's what keeps me going. Sounds like that magic that you felt when you were listening to Yoti Yundi, you're given to other people, man. Yeah, I don't know, eh? but I just know what that did for me. And if I could do that for one kid, then that would be job done, you know. Mate, it sounds like it. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, for real, because, yeah, yeah, if I could do what they did for me, then, yeah, that would be phenomenal. Well, A, a little wolf runs around with any tube that he can find saying, <laughs> a little, <laughs> do, do, because he can't say didgeridoo yet. But yeah, he get yeah, yeah. he he gets it the inside of the paper tailing or whatever, and he's all over. <laughs> he loves it. He's all about it. Love it. He's all about it. And um, <laughs> so that's that's one thing. But two, and this is something I used to I used to work on a singing show called Australian Idol. And what was interesting yep, yep. is that the people that did well weren't necessarily the best singers. You know, they mm. weren't necessarily the ones that had the perfect pitch or the perfect tone or, you know, wherever, mm. you know, it was the ones that made you feel what they were feeling. And mm. I can only assume that when you sing in Kimilaray, what's in your heart is able to pierce through the perception of language and people can just hear the emotion in your voice and that's what they're resonating with. I hope so. Because that's really, I think, at the end of the day, what it's all about, hey. I mean, music's going in a route now where obviously everything is tuned to absolute perfection. Yeah. 
Um, but I don't really think music's about that at all. It's about exactly sharing your spirit with someone. Mm. Um, I think when we all sing and tap into that creative part of who we are, that's really what it's about, isn't it? It's about sharing a story, a message about, you know, music can be so vulnerable and whether it's a dance song or whatever, there's, there's that ability to, to really sort of, you know, come from that place. Mm. And, you know, you listen to a lot of the old music and stuff and there's lots of imperfections, but what those imperfections actually are is feel. You know, it's, it's feel, it's, it's rawness, it's, it's not perfect, but it actually is perfect because that's how it's meant to be, you know what I mean? Do you sing lullabies to your kids? What do you sing to your kids when it's bedtime? So funny, we're actually expecting, so we're having a beautiful little cherub in November, but at the moment I've got three stepdaughters, 6, 12, 15, and um, with the little one, anything that's culture-related now, even if it's West Papua, she refers to it as Wallenbar. <laughs> but anything that's culture-related now falls under my song Wallenbar. And it's so funny because we were talking the other night me and her will lay up before bed and we'll actually conversate. I'll be like, let's put the iPad away. We're talking, we're communicating. Uh, let's go question for question. And she'll ask me some really like, you know, interesting things. But I said to her, what, what would be your only, you know, if you had to only listen to one song for the rest of your life, what would it be? And she got real serious. I was waiting for one of like the TikTok viral songs or something that she hears on stop. And she goes, oh, okay. It'd probably be like Wallenbar or one of your songs like that. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. You know, it's interesting, eh, what what they absorb and what they keep close to their little yeah. soul, you know what I mean? And I was like really chuffed with that because, man, she'll never really sing it, you know. <laughs> but it's interesting because when you, I think, live and breathe culture, it becomes normal, eh? Yeah. So, like, if I start singing... And I stop, I'll hear her in a room, like sing the second verse of it, you know, or she'll do her mother's stuff. And it's like, it's a beautiful thing because it's like you're just naturally embedding culture into their identity and they don't even know any different. It's not like you're sitting them down and drumming in culture. It's just a part of who they are. And I think that's just such a beautiful thing, eh? That's uh, so lovely, man. I just, our eldest, she's 17 and the wolf is nearly two. So, yep. you know, I remember those moments of lying in bed when G was little, you know. Um, she was 10 when I met her, so I'm a stepdad as well. Yeah, yeah. And I remember those moments, those very sweet, sweet moments. And then, Yeah. And then, uh, honestly, and you would have, you'd know this from your oldest, you know, one day that, hey, you want a story tonight? No. And that's it. <laughs> You never, ever read to them ever again. <laughs> yeah. But you don't know that the last night was the last night it ever happened for your entire life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because I know that, I know that, um, you know, you've only got this moment, like, you know, because she'll call me in, like, it could be bath time or whatever, and she'll, I'm like, yeah, what's up? She's like, no, just come hang out. It's like, you know, can you stay and talk? I'm like, yeah, okay. And it's funny because, you can see time moving on. You're like, it could be, like you said, it could be like tonight that she says, get out. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's just, it is what it is, eh? But you got to just enjoy it while it's, while it's around. We have to, we have to absolutely, you can only be in that moment when those kids are little. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm so excited for you for the new baby, mate. You're, yeah, thanks. It's, it's the greatest. If You know, 
Well, all I can tell you is that I didn't expect it. I knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah. But the pheromones that the baby releases, what it does to your own brain, the amount of new neural pathways that formed in my own brain, because there's this huge amount. It's the only time it happens after the age of 25 in men. When mm. a new baby shows up, it actually, Maggie Dent told me this, who does the parenting podcast on ABC. Um, okay. it's, it's the only time after you finish growing that a new explosion, you get new brain growth. Really? Yeah, because it's like, well, you're a dad now. We're going to need a little more, few more skills to keep this little child safe. And wow, it, it for felt, real. It felt like fireworks going on off of my head, Mitch, and my thinking has been different ever since. And it's been wow. really, it's been really interesting. This two years ago it happened. Is that per child? Or yeah, apparently. Yeah, I don't know. Man, I'm not going to stop, brother. Going to keep growing, baby. <laughs> Sorry, it's a, Leah. It's, a, it's amazing, dude. It's it was you know. It's the greatest. It's the greatest. Wow. Yeah. I've never, ever heard anything like yeah, that. I yeah. guess it makes sense, eh, from like an evolution True. perspective, eh? Yeah. You know? so, yeah. There you go. And, those, and I know you'll, you've already got this sorted, but those couple of days, those first three or four days when we were just getting to know each other, mm. it was like the most extraordinary 72 hours of my life. Wow, dude. You know, just being amongst that beautiful little – I'm so excited for you, mate, because it's just – it's, I want to cry just thinking about it. It was just amazing. And you're going to have the best yeah, time ever. Wow. It's the best thing ever. It's, it's so good. It's crazy, actually, because um, we'll read at the end of the week where we're at and whatnot, and we'll read, and Leo's like, okay, like, we're coming into the phase now where they can, you know, develop, like, voice recognition yep. inside the womb there. They'll be able to pick up. And dead set, man, just about every time I go up to Leo, like, near a belly and yarn, baby just starts moving around and kicking and Leah messaged me the other day and she was like oh put on one of your songs in the car and I turned it off and my stomach just went nuts like this baby knows your voice 100% it's crazy um and there was a moment there where like every time I put my hand on the tummy baby would just go off man would just be like and then like it was like literally like they were like literally aiming from where my hand was at you know it's the so best. interesting, eh? It's, it's mind-blowing. It's an amazing, amazing thing. And yeah, you're going to do it great. It's going to be great. You guys are going to – you're already doing a great job. It's going to be great. Mitch, um, look, Thank mate, you, I'm man. really grateful for your time today, man. It's been really great to connect with you. Thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you for taking – Nah, man, man just, I appreciate uh, you squeezing me into your uh, <laughs> busy schedule. And thank you for uh, – you know, thanks for just being open and vulnerable with your own story, you know, because I, it definitely um, – you know, it just makes it easier, I think, for everyone, especially us fellas, to just open up and just share our journey and, and what we've been doing at the overcome and like and just really driving the message that our journeys aren't to be ashamed of, our journeys are to be used to empower and help others, you know, and, and just keep the conversation open. So thanks heaps, brother. I really appreciate all that you're doing. Man, I'm grateful, Mitch. Thanks, man. Thanks, brother. Take care. And my friends, that was Mitch. Tambo, his latest single is called Heal. It's number one everywhere, and uh, rightly so. It's a cracking listen. Get around his music, support him where you can. He's doing really, really well, and clearly someone well worth your attention, and um, keep an eye on him because there's big, bigger things yet to come from Mitch Tambo. 
He's absolutely crushing it, and rightly so. I hope this show gave you some perspective. I hope it's helping you think about what else is going on in our country right now, certainly as some of the healthcare issues in uh, remote Indigenous communities are being brought to enormous light under the impacts of the Delta variant of COVID-19 getting into some of those communities, which is utterly devastating. I hope it makes you think a little differently about um, how many resources are actually required to save the lives of Australians who live in those parts of our country. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here. If you need me, I'm easy to find. Send Osher email at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram. See you on Thursday for Idle Australians with James Matheson. And a big thank you to Andy Ma, my audio producer, Rachel Barrett, my executive producer, and Toe Hider for making all the music that you're listening to today. Until we speak next time, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.